Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Before we begin today's episode, I'm going to spend a few seconds telling you about our Patreon, where you can support the show. It's patreon.com slash a new winter, and you get exclusive podcast episodes, and you can donate even a dollar if you want, but everything you give will help me be able to spend more time working on the show. Patreon.com slash a new winter. If you don't have the money and want to help, then great. Please rate and review the podcast, because that really does make a huge difference. Thank you. A new winter culture. Hello everybody and welcome to a new Winter Cults and Culture. So now, top 10 games of the decade. And my God, this was so difficult. This was probably more difficult than the films one because there's a lot of, I think my main problem was that I felt like I'd forgotten a lot of the films that I'd maybe watched. Um, and especially maybe a lot of foreign and indie ones. I don't feel like I've had that problem with games. I feel like I pretty much can remember every single game I played. And then, you know... I think of things like, well, what was I, what was I playing like on mobile or whatever and things like that. Um, but it's easy enough because you dedicate so much time to a game. It's quite easy to roll back and like, there's so few of them basically it's released on that scale that actually even get your attention that, um, yeah, that I was able to kind of put this list together a bit more easily. Uh, but there were still some really tough decisions to make and I'm still, I'm even looking at it now and I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> like I don't know this is going to go down um, but I'm going to give it a try anyway so here we go top 10 games of the decade and at number 10 I have Lord of the Rings Shadow of Mordor both you and your kin. I heard a family once, and I buried them along with everyone I ever knew. Perhaps that pain is what connects us. Very soon, the Dark Lord and his army will march all over Mordor. I have seen Sauron's sons. They 
bring much suffering. Can the curse be broken? Destroy the Black Hand and his followers and claim Mordor. How? How do I do this? Your power. What do you know of the Black Hand? So I'm surprised myself that this took number 10 for anyone that's like, what? Um, it was my game of the year that year. Um, whenever that was, 2016. Um, and it was great fun. It came out of nowhere for me. I love Lord of the Rings stuff anyway, fantasy type, sh- type shit. And I liked the whole combo Batman fighting thing. I know it had been done before, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I felt the flow was just great. Visually, I really enjoyed it. And just the Nemesis system was great. Um, I liked it a lot more than the sequel. The sequel was way too long. And obviously there's all those like paywalls that were put up and loot boxes and all this stuff. So I really just liked the, again, the purity of the first one and what it was trying to do. I liked the story. I liked the idea that you've got this like elf ghost basically living within you. It's not letting you die. And the classic, like, I'm, I'll avenge my dead family. Cheesy, yeah. But um, again, I really liked it. So it was tough um, for me to keep because this kind of came off and other things went on. But I kept coming back to it going, man, I loved Shadow of Mordor. And when I think of things, other games, which I'll come on to, I just thought this was still for me a really great experience. And I was, it was one of the best games of the decade. And I'm sorry if people think differently or maybe there's better stuff out there when they come to hear the rest of it. Um, but it's true. I would easily jump back into this right now and give it and smash it out than I would some of the other games that, you know, didn't, didn't make the list. And yeah, so overall, really smooth, great experience. And it's a shame that, you know, the sequel was um, not quite as good. So yeah, number 10, Shadow of Mordor, which brings me on to number nine, which is probably going to upset more people as well. But number nine for my top 10 games of the decade is Rocket League. say yes rocket league well for a start i have probably invested more hours in it than i have anything else ever i play it with my friends online and i even got to a point where i was like i really want to try and see if i can do this at a competitive level which is ridiculous because i got totally annihilated as soon as i like start doing anything i'm not that good (laughs) whatsoever but this was back early when they started talking about rocket league championships and stuff um, and I was like, I could do that. And that's because it was so blooming early that no one had really like, you know, kind of got into the the niches and minutia of the control system and all this yet. So I really felt like I was dominating everything. And obviously that went out the pan once young people got their hands on it properly because this is when it was given away as a PS Plus game for free. Um, yeah, really loved it. And it's up there because, again, I get loads of enjoyment out of it. I'll, it's my one thing that it's like, if I've got 10 minutes... I think I can squeeze something in quickly. It'll be Rocket League. <laughs> and yeah, and I always come back to it, um, usually after finishing a game, just because I want something that's fast, quick and fun. That's what she said. <laughs> but yeah, and that's Rocket League. And again, it 
is the way that some of me and my mates still talk to each other. It's just to be playing that on a headset um, and, yeah, just mucking about. So, yeah, I've got a lot of enjoyment out of it and it's made number nine on my top ten list. That's going to probably be a bone of contention for a lot of people, but apologies, because it's up there. I've loved it. It's a great game. Then that brings me to number eight, which is also probably going to upset a lot of people, um, which is Life is Strange. So what do you want? You don't know who the fuck I am. What are you doing? Get that gun away from me, psycho! No! My name is Max Caulfield. I'm 18 years old. Years ago, my family moved away and I left behind my childhood. After five years, I'm back in my hometown, Arcadia Bay, Oregon. Now I'm studying photography at Blackwell Academy, my new home. In the end, it's still high school, which kind of sucks. Then there's Chloe. Home, shit, home. Let's dance! Or take my picture with your new camera. Come on, rock out, girl! Then something happened. Something that changed my life forever. Max, what's going on? Where am I? There's something else I have to tell you. Holy shit. Now, when I come to the end of the list, there's going to be people who will be like, in this mad, mad, mad world, how is life in Strange better than X and Y and Z? And I'll tell you why. I've never felt <laughs> so so close to just being a teenage girl <laughs> questioning her sexuality. And I felt as close to that person as I did in this game. And, and it sounds so... <laughs> mad that I got so much enjoyment out of playing um, playing this game, but I really did. And the reasons why is that, for one thing, I really enjoyed just the gameplay aspect of, uh, you know, choose your own adventure style, you know, gaming. It's nothing new at all. And, you know, other people do it better probably. But um, sometimes I want to play a story, an interactive story. And not have to, you know, think about game mechanics too much. So for me, uh, this was great that I didn't have to use my um, brain so much more than my heart. And um, that's what, for me, this kind of game was about. It was about, you know, this young woman kind of going through something with her friend um, who put a potential lover, basically. And what that means and, like, her death and, like, we're living this death dream essentially and coming back to it because you know and the mechanics of having like the powers of being able to travel through time and stuff and going to different dimensions at some points was great i liked it as a, as a game concept but you know it always stuck with the heart that it was about the relationship between these two girls um and how you know they're being able to deal with it the fact that it's got you know the back plot of like girls getting killed and stuff made like a great like girl with the dragon tattoo style you know thriller element to it um the episodic nature i think worked as well it really felt like it broke it up for me as well um being able to be like that's the end of that chapter and i, I can put my controller down and maybe play another game or do something else and come back to it um and the soundtrack was great as well um really great music chosen for this game and fits it perfectly. Uh, 
yeah, the uh, constant use of the word hella um, is annoying. But yeah, basically that's what you're doing. You're just trying to live your high school life and try and save people and your mate at the same time. And the backdrop of the whole city going to wreck, basically, because you're using these powers, is also really good. So I, I have started, actually, Life is Strange 2. Um, I need to do the Before the Storm bit. Well, I haven't done that yet, but I've, done, I've started Life is Strange 2. And I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's a lot slower, um, but I haven't really... I've only got into, like, the forest, for those who've played it. I'm just set up camp. So I'm quite early on still. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing that. But I don't think it's going to quite get me emotionally involved maybe as um as the first one did and yeah i really liked it animation style the art style i should say was was really cool really nice i thought and i just genuinely had a really great time playing it and i just felt connected to this whole thing that was going on i felt like you know i was in it and that's i can't say that for a lot of other games that you know people might think should be on this list so there we have it there we go that was life is strange which brings us to number seven, and the appropriately titled Resident Evil 7. Daddy's coming. We need to go. We need to go now! What the fuck are you? Shut up and listen if you want to stay alive. Ethan. You gotta get out of that house. There might be people who think like, but the Resident Evil 2 remake was so much better. Um, and I don't think anyone will be saying Resident Evil 6 should be up there. But the reason why I chose Resident Evil 7 was because of the VR element. I did the whole game in PSVR and it was an entirely new experience that I've never felt before. And I don't know if anyone's actually tried doing it in VR, but the first half of the game at least is absolutely terrifying. And it was so scary so different doing this in vr that it was it rattled my brain completely it was like i hadn't tackled it's like i'd never played a horror game before basically it it felt like that it was something so unique and so different and so new and so fresh and obviously i played vr games before this but the fact that i was doing this game and this vr setting and this whole thing just really like knocked me sideways i really thought this was brilliant Second half of the game, not so much when it gets a bit more action orientated, but for the, I should say the last third maybe, but for the first two acts, the first half was just like every time just opening a door just became a nightmare as and of itself. And yeah, I highly recommend getting it. If you've got a PSVR thing, um, or if you've got Resident Evil 7, or if you haven't got either, whatever, I, if you like your horror, man, try this out because you will, it's an experience like no other. And for that alone, it just had to make my top 10 because in terms of like a gaming experience, there was nothing else like it. I played like super hot and for a while that was thinking, I was thinking, yeah, that was really good. And that was really cool to play. And that was super cool, super hot, <laughs> super cool. But um, it didn't quite have the, that horror, like hair standing on end 
thing that this had for me. Um, and yeah, maybe Resident Evil 2 remake is a better game and there were better horror games out there than this. But man, in VR, playing this, great. Nothing else like it out there. So that brings me to number six. And this is going to surprise maybe a few people. But the number six on my list is Red Dead Redemption. Red Dead Redemption, one, not two. Road in the gang. They left me to die after I'd been shot. I left the gang after the gang left me. I tried to go straight. I did. Then I got me more trouble. You can't change, John! Don't do deals with outlaws, boy. Yeah, you do! Am I crazy? <laughs> How can I not put Red Dead Redemption 2 on this list and put Red Dead Redemption 1 in when it's clearly not the better game? I think it is the better game, and the reason why is this. I really liked Red Dead Redemption 2, did the whole thing, did all the side bits, did everything. Red Dead Redemption 1 was the first game, mainly mostly the first open world game at least, that I did 100%. I did every little thing that you were supposed to do. And the reason why was because I loved it so much. Now, where Resident Evil 2 went for... Resident Evil 2, sorry. Where Red Dead Redemption 2 went for realism, or you know what people were saying was realism, but you know what I mean. And it looked a lot better, obviously. Red Dead Redemption 1 was a spaghetti western. It was a Hollywood version of the western. It wasn't trying to be real. It was taking... It was like, you know, like Rockstar does. It was stealing from all these different elements and putting them together to create a Western game. And it's it felt schlocky, it felt B-movie, and I loved it. And that bit where you're going across the desert and Jose Gonzalez comes in with uh, Far Away, I think the song's called, um, you know, they tried to replicate that in two and it didn't work. And the reason why is because it just came out of nowhere for one. And I was just like, man, this is like... A moment. This is a moment within gaming for me. And nothing ever really came close to that. But yeah, just in terms of its open worldness, its enjoyability, the story, I just thought one was better. You know, I know there's more to do in two and it's more detailed and intricate, but I don't really care. For me, the first one was more kind of arcadey, yeah, sure. But that's kind of what I wanted from the Western. I don't want a real Western. I don't want to know what life was actually like back then. I want to watch like the man with no name and like, you know, shootouts at the OK Corral or whatever and all this. That's the kind of, you know, that's a Western. That's what I want. And Red Dead Redemption 1 was that. And they had really great characters and obviously a classic kind of rock star, yeah, cartoony nature to it. But yeah, John Marston was just a better character. And I don't mind, I can't remember the Arthur, that was it. I don't mind Arthur and the fact he's like, oh, well, well, whatever, and moaning all the time and everything. And, you know, the whole thing with Dutch um, and the fact that John Marsden was in it. But I liked the idea that John Marsden was just like, he was like a, a bloody shooting cowboy out for danger and action. And the whole fact that he had this history, he didn't really know much about it. And, you know, you get to learn a bit more later on. But that was cool. And then like what a prequel does, it it 
explains it and it's like, oh, okay, I don't really want it explained, fine. And here's Arthur and he's a real cowboy. He does actual cowboy jobs. And you're like, okay, I don't really care. So, yeah, for me, Red Dead Redemption 1 was probably my game of that generation. Um, I was saying back then, but when um, I look back on it, that's that's not really the case. I think a lot of games have aged better, in my opinion, and maybe, you know, I was kind of caught up on it more at the time than, um, than and I thought it had a more of a bigger impact than maybe um, it actually did. And I think there are some other games which are obviously better than Red Dead Redemption, but it was up there for ages as my, like, favourite game maybe ever of all time. And it still kind of is, but I feel like it's, you know, there are open worlds now that did that and do it better. And the kind of freshness that that had has been tampered a little bit and has disappeared. And there's aspects of it that other things have done better. Um, And I can't say that for all the rest of the stuff I'm about to go into, but it is still definitely an incredible game. So Red Dead Redemption 1 is number six on my top 10 games of the decade. And coming in, at number five, and again, this wasn't on purpose, but it is Grand Theft Auto V. Why did I move here? I guess it was the weather. Or the... Ah, I don't know, that thing. That magic. You see it in the movies. I wanted to retire from what I was doing, you know? From that, that line of work. Be a good guy for one family man. So, I bought a big house, came here, put my feet up, and thought I'd be a dad like all the other dads. My kids would be like the kids on TV. We'd play ball and sit in the sun, but, well, you know how it is. So there's no denying the fact that it was a huge achievement to create Grand Theft Auto V. It is so massive, so detailed. The story was great. I liked the fact you could swap between the characters. Um, the overarching story of like, you know, you were partners in crime or whatever, and then you have to get back together and, you know, do more heists. I can't even remember what the actual story was you know, and the Tony Soprano guy um, and the mad one and and then, you know, the young gangster. All that stuff I thought worked really well. And I like the fact that they all have their own different worlds and their own different stories and you kind of dip and dive. Um, And it's just great, you know, just a great world to dip into. And, yeah, there's no denying that it, it has to be one of the best games of the decade. There's just so much to do and it's still being done on it now in terms of online, even though I haven't touched that. But, yeah, it's just fantastic and it's i think the biggest thing the biggest uh medium <laughs> media product or whatever of all time ever and it deserves to be because there was a hell of a lot of effort made into it and it paid off massively yes it's got its rock star quirkisms um, but i actually don't mind that i quite like that and that's why gta 5 is at number five if you haven't got it my god where have you been just go out and get it. I think it's on Xbox Game Pass now. You should get that and play it on there if you've got it. And now for number four, which is the sci-fi opera 
Mass Effect 2. Commander Shepard? He has no idea what he's getting into. To his credit, he's recruiting an impressive team. Assassins, scientists, biotics. He's scouring the galaxy for the best. Ilium. So I think there's no... I'm not the only person that thinks that Mass Effect 2 was the best of the, well, trilogy, but then Andromeda as well now. And the reason why is it's because it's got quite a cool, um, what films use a lot, a kind of trope of like getting the gang back together. You know, we're going to crew up. And so it's an excuse basically to visit all these different lands and people and characters and times. And I just loved everything about Mass Effect 2. The fact that you die at the beginning, spoiler, and you're a clone, basically, is in itself. It's like, wow, that's mad. Um, you know, you're not even the original person anymore. <laughs> Who are you, really? And, yeah, there's the story and how, you know, you all kind of help each other out and you do these little things for each other and the, the fact that it takes place in this universal scale, which is the universe of the galaxy, um, is great. I love the Reapers, so, you know, the bad guys. Um, the final mission where you all go in and it's like there's an element where the amount of people you've got and the decisions you made impact what happens. Great, perfect. Feels like you're actually, you know, making a difference. The DLC was great. Um, it looked great, played well. I liked the cover shooting basics. I loved all the choice system stuff. I loved everything about it. And I was just engrossed from beginning to end. I cannot tell you how much I loved this game. So that's why it's at number four, and I think deservedly so. Um, so that's Mass Effect 2. So now at number three, and again, this wasn't on purpose, but the bronze medal, number three of top 10 games of the decades is... Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
Witcher 3. Fearing all manner of ghouls, hags and wraiths. Nice tune. Been a while since I heard it last. Folk have forgotten it. Got other things on their mind. Things like me. They paid me for you. <laughs> In times past, no amount of coin would convince a witcher to take this contract. Times have changed. I mean, and this was tough that this wasn't number one. I'm going to be honest. And even again, as I'm looking at it, I'm like, if someone said, put a gun to my head and said, you have to make it number one, I would do it in a heartbeat and wouldn't even be bothered. Because it, the world it presented, the way it did it, and everything about it, the, the emergent gameplay, the fact that all the side quests are so well written, everything is just phenomenal. And it's one of the best games ever, in my opinion. Any drawbacks? The only thing is that it sometimes didn't have as much emotional weight as I wanted it to. I liked the idea you're going after Siri. I liked the fact that these little stories had an emotional weight to them. Um, and I like the fact that I feel like I'm just wandering around, I'm just wandering around doing stuff, just getting caught up in stuff. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Everything about it. Um, but those have to be really my only quibbles. And they're tiny when I think about it. It was just amazing. Just an amazing, amazing open world game that changed open world games forever, let's be honest. Because even now, like, games are getting released and everyone's like, Witcher 3 is the pinnacle that you have to reach for an open world game. Red Dead Redemption 2, I don't think, reached it at all. You know, Witcher 3 is still it. Like, nothing surpassed it. When Cyberpunk comes out, maybe that'll be the one to do it. But until that time, Witcher 3 is... I would say the best open world game of all time, maybe. <laughs> um, so yeah, you have to get it. And especially if you want to watch the Witcher TV series, it'd be nice if it all, all you know, do both at the same time. Uh, so yeah, that's number three, Witcher 3. And this brings me to my number two game of the last decade, which is The Last of Us. Do I need to remind you what is out there? Once upon a time, I had somebody that I cared about. And in this world, that sort of shit's good for one thing. Getting you killed. I need something smuggled out of the city. It's just cargo, Joel. I just want some simple gear, enough to set me on my way. I reckon he's got something to do with that girl. He's got everything to do with that little girl. can't be any worse than in here. Can it? We're shitty people, Joel. It's been that way for a long time. No, we are survivors. This is our chance. It is over, Tess! What are you so afraid of? You're treading on some mighty thin ice here. I have friends who think The Last of Us is overrated, and there's an element that I can see why. Um... For them, like a lot of the gameplay isn't great. They don't really like the zombie stuff. Um, and they didn't feel anything when they played it. 
Now, I was the complete opposite. From beginning to end, I was in there. I was emotionally invested completely. And, you know, I was, I felt like I was Joel. That whole intro bit, again, when you're like trying to escape from the zombie crisis, essentially. Like I say, how Drive, the beginning of Drive, um, was like a short movie. This felt like a short movie slash short game or whatever, you know, as well. as It's something that's standalone was like, and how it ends is harrowing. I still, you know, ugh, I hate thinking about it even now. And the rest of the game, you know, essentially trying to take um, Ellie, I think her name is, uh, to, you know, get, get her cured, not cured, to get the, find out how she's being able to not turn into a zombie. It's great. And the, all the stuff you have to go through and the little mini storylines that are going on, like that weirdo um, that kind of grabs her for a bit whilst Joel's sick. I mean, blimey, like all that stuff, like just trying to get, you know, the bit where you find the, um, his Joel's mate and you're getting through the high school and all this stuff, crawling out the gym and the streets and, you know, you're driving off in your car whilst they're still trying to get you. Like, like, just incredible. Like every, everything about it was amazing. And yet even the, the gameplay stuff where it's like silently moving and taking out enemies or like going past clickers like heart in your mouth moments and that was it and I was just and when it ended that emotional ending and the way it was like you know and again spoilers but that last moment where she's like um you didn't lie to me do you or something like that and he's like no and then it ends I was just like perfect perfect ending um the way that it's like no matter what no matter no matter anything Joel will make sure they both survive in the best possible way that's what takes Paramount over everything else. And I loved it. Um, yeah, so not only does it look great, it still looks great. Even on PS3, it still looks great, you know, let alone PS4 and all this. Acting was great. Story-wise, brilliant. Gameplay, I thought was brilliant. I really loved it. And I did it, I think um, I've done it four times. And the last one was on the most hardest difficulty. I can't remember what it's called, like the hardcore mode, whatever. Um, but the toughest difficulty, and I still did the whole thing and, you know, even very sparse resources and all this. And I still loved it every second of it. And I could probably close my eyes and play through the entire game in my head <laughs> if I really wanted to. But yeah, it was just that perfect combination of like setting, characters, like music, sound as well, of course, gameplay, um, story, like the lot. It was all there, all there. And that's why it made number two. But what could beat The Last of Us? I thought nothing could beat Last of Us for a while. And that was until I got my hands on what makes the number one game of the decade. And that is Dark Souls. In the age of ancients, the world was unformed, shrouded by fog. A land of grey crags, arch trees, and everlasting dragons. But then there was fire. And with fire came disparity. Heat and cold. Life and death. Like all my family and my friends and anyone who I can get five minutes with, um, that sounds weird, Dark Souls is the focus, I feel like, of my life since I've played it. 
And I can't really even put my finger on why. It's ruined games a little bit for me. And the reason why is because I haven't found, since playing that and playing some other different games, I'm annoyed at myself that it's not like Dark Souls, that Dark Souls has taken gaming to, to such a level for me personally that I don't think anyone else can reach it. And, you know, and people think, well, why is that? And it's, it's all bit what, because it's like really difficult. Like, and this is going to sound lame, but Dark Souls isn't really that, it's not about being difficult because you can make yourself better in different ways. Like I'm not that good at Dark Souls, but I will invest highly in like strength and I'll get like a good shield and all this stuff, which means that I can just try and make myself what's called like being a tank essentially where like mistakes are a lot easier to manage and you can do it that way. You can go through the whole thing naked or play it with a rock band controller or whatever. Yes, because there's ways of, of doing things and the fact that, and people forget like, you can play Dark Souls however you want. There's like a magic element. You can do the whole thing with just your fists. You can go like a strength build that I normally do, which is where you just become this, yeah, this tank that no one can hit. And when you hit, it's like a, you know, smackdown. You've got all that. You've got these incredible bosses and the Japanese art style here is brilliant. This dark Gothic fantasy setting. And bear in mind, the whole throughout that whole first game, I had no idea what was going on. And then when I looked at, when I completed it, and then I started reading up on it and I started watching videos and talking to me about the law, I was engrossed. I couldn't get enough of it. I wanted to know absolutely every little detail about that entire world and what was happening in that game. And when things started, you know, clicking into place contextually, I was like, this is, I've never had this before, where I've had to work for the story. That, it, that it's expecting me to go out of my way to go through and investigate the story. And the thing is, it's not even clear, but, you know, there are clear elements of it, yes. But it's not, like, all 100% clear. And they haven't done it through, like, you know, here's, like, an audio log. Here's a letter that's been written. It's all in, like, item descriptions. which And you don't need any of this to play the game or even enjoy it. You've, so you've got that whole element to it. It's the fact that it's an RPG. So you've, you know, again, as I was saying before, you can play it how you want. You can, you know, you've people love like the loot, right? Of loot games, you got that. All the kinds of different uh, weapons, and you can beat the game on any weapon. You know, obviously, the more you, the the better weapon that suits your style, the the better. You can upgrade those so they hit harder, or you know, whatever. You don't have to, <laughs> like, you can do it without doing that. You make life a bit more difficult for yourself, sure, but you know, it is possible. And, you know, there's things like what people don't realise is that, like, just rolling in the game um, gives you what's called iframes, which are invincibility frames, which is how people do it. So when it's like, oh, I did the whole thing and I didn't get hit, how'd you do that? Well, they usually go around with, and they keep as less armour and stuff off as possible, keep light weapons, and they roll around a lot, which essentially kind of makes you invincible. So, you know, for a few seconds at least. So if you time it right, you're just invincible the entire game. That's how they do it. And that's why Dark Souls really isn't it's tough and it's punishing but it's also super fair really really fair and the only thing really is that it just makes you think about what you're doing before every encounter and it's like what like every boss no i'm talking about you can just see like a normal standard bog standard like skeleton with a sword and instead of being like whatever you have to be careful because if he gets if he gets a shot on you he'll still take off a lot of damage and that's the same with any of these guys so it's really important. You've got to like pay attention throughout the whole thing. And that's why it's so satisfying when you do something like that or you complete a boss that you haven't done before or whatever. 
and all this because the work that the more you put in the more you get out and the hard work does pay off and yeah and really what is what is dark souls it's exploration and boss fights you could do like suicide runs there are items you keep um and you can like farm souls if you want to level up there's all this stuff you can do so when people go like oh it's super difficult it's punishing yeah there's an element of that to it but it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like that whatsoever and just everything about it just you know it started a whole genre in itself just by merely existing and people were trying to kind of do that ever since and that's the thing is that it feels like pure game pure gameplay it's heavily involved with the mechanics you the fact that you've got a stamina meter and you know it you know and there's a whole episode remember dedicated to this so that everything you do apart from walking takes up stamina and so you have to be really careful that you don't just run out because otherwise you you can't roll you can't swing you can't hold your shield up you can't do anything you're out of stamina so you have to be really careful with every single thing going in that you're re- you're ready basically that um you know you know what you're doing and yeah and that's kind of why people sometimes don't like it they just want to get in there hack and slash or they want a corridor shooter like whatever like they don't want consequences but then what's the fun without having consequences right and yeah and this totally plays into it it's just such a huge epic landscape it's shock after surprise weird things happen um there's a lot to the game that i completed it put it down and gave it to a mate and i I didn't even you know realize that we're even in there until like i researched it afterwards um and you know dark souls 2 uh which obviously i did episode with gary butterfield on um it's not obvious but it's in the thing if you want to check it out dark souls 2 is a lot bigger and it kind of did much of the same Dark Souls 3, which I'm completing at the moment, is a direct sequel, really, to one, like Rise of the Skywalker was to Force Awakens. It could have easily just been the second one, to a degree. But uh, it's still good, but it does a lot of the stuff that the original Dark Souls did. And I hadn't felt like I was playing something... It doesn't... Because it shouldn't feel new, right? But it does. It does feel new. It does feel fresh. It feels like this is a this is what a game is. This is a pure game and it matters and it's not trying to like the sense you get from the you know power fantasy and you're getting stronger through it feels deserved as you're playing it it doesn't feel like oh you know now i'm super powerful and i'm just i'm just running down the corridor and i'm shooting everything and going because this is just what i want it doesn't play up to that audience thing it doesn't you know it doesn't want you to particularly you know it doesn't want a cheap thrill basically and that's why i love it so much and you know all the rest of the other games, people might be like, what are you talking about? They're so much better, whatever. But for me, like Dark Souls, ever since I've played it, it's like, bomb. That's the new standard now that things have to like live by. And yeah, it's not as bombacious maybe, but that's it. This is, um, I just find it a much more enjoyable game. Uh, but that's because it's hard. I can set the difficulty level to any game if I'm really that bothered. If it's about difficulty, then I can do that if I want to. With this, it's not. It's not about being difficult. That's just an element of it. It's about everything else, in fact. The difficulty part doesn't even come into play, to be honest. It's more that it's satisfying in a completely earned way rather than anything else. And it's taught me, like, weirdly, the fact that it's, like, 
you know, a series of slow improvements, essentially, as you're kind of getting gradually stronger, gradually better, um, it makes me feel better about, you know, life, <laughs> weirdly, in a sense of, you know, that immediate gratification, like everything has to happen now. And it reminds me of like, you know what, the things that are worth taking the time over, those are the best things, right? Um, maybe I'm not so great at, I don't know, doing X, Y, Z, but if I put the time and energy into it, it will pay off. Why should I expect to like everything to pay off immediately? And, you know, I've weirdly, it's kind of gone into my subconscious and it's like strangely influencing things like that as well, if that makes sense. It's really weird. So it's had like a profound effect on everything, on everything that uh, is going on, really. And it's just weird that it's just had that because it's just a game. It's just a stupid game. But yeah, and it's and for me, it's still strange that it's number one, but I was just like, it just has to be. Like, all right, it hasn't got for me the emotional pull and impact and story as The Last of Us, but I can get those things elsewhere. I can watch a film or read a book and I can do that. And the gameplay mechanics are really great and Last of Us and all this, but Dark Souls, man, it's just like off the scale and the story is there. And that's what, that's what, what I have to reiterate as well. There is a story there and there's lots of little mini stories as well that are kind of going on, but y- you have to like source it out. <laughs> Um, and also like it's up for interpretation and I love that kind of, you know, that element to it, that abstract near, near abstract element to it, where it's like, it also is what you bring to it. It could be what you want it to be. So that's it. So that's my top game of the decade is Dark Souls. So number 10, Shadow Mordor, nine, Rocket League, eight, Life is Strange, seven, Resident Evil 7, six, Red Dead Redemption 1, five, GTA 5, Four, Mass Effect 2, 3, Witcher 3, 2, Last of Us, number one, Dark Souls. And there you have it. So I should say a lot of like honourable mentions for other games. And this was quite difficult, but I really liked, for instance, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. I feel like other games have done it better now. Um, But as well, I'm just bored of Assassin's Creed. And it was good at the time, but... It wasn't like, you know, Assassin's Creed 1 was doing the same stuff and right, Assassin's Creed 2 did it better and Brotherhood probably even more so, but no, it's just, no, it's it's not really stuck with me the same way. And then I was thinking about Uncharted 3 and 4 and I was like, it's just not as good as Uncharted 2. And to be honest, Last of Us is better. Um, And I was looking at the other games thinking, well, Uncharted 4, surely that's better than, you know, Life is Strange. And I was like... I don't think it is. Like, I liked Life is Strange a lot better than I liked Uncharted 4 and 3, you know. I thought 3 was maybe better than 4. Um, maybe. And like, same, like Shadow of Mordor, I was like, yeah, just felt a lot better. Um, yeah, but that was, you know, that's something I was quibbling with as well. Um, Bioshock Infinite, again, Bioshock, don't mind it. Um, Bioshock Infinite, obviously, and... Story-wise, it was good. I enjoyed it at the time. I thought it was good, but meh, wasn't amazing. Like Bioshock 1, the first one, you know, would potentially be, but not not Bioshock Infinite, sorry. Um, you know, I did say about Red Dead 2, but again, it was, it was good. It was a really good open world simulator, real life simulator thing. It did feel like I was going back in time, but... Yeah, not not top 10 for me. And then there's Dead Space 2 and 3. Sorry, you're not Dead Space 1, and that was the best one. Um, 
L.A. Noir was okay. I put it down, but I was like, yeah. Inside, for instance, again, it was okay, I guess. Uh, super hot, I was talking about. Arkham VR is more an experience rather than a game. I enjoyed it, but mm. God of War, I guess, like was one of the main ones that could have gone on there. And people is it being, might again be like, God of War is much better than Shadow of Mordor or Rocket League. And in theory, as a game, yeah, it probably is, yeah, like, obviously. But there's a lot of time, more time maybe went into it and dedication. But I liked Rocket League better and I liked Shadow of Mordor better. Um, but God of War was a tough one. Um, it's definitely like one of the best PlayStation 4 games. But... It, I wouldn't say it's one of my personal top games of the decade. Objectively, it probably should be one of the games of the decade, but not for me personally, you see. Um, Spider-Man, same kind of thing. That was great, wasn't it? But yeah. Mario Kart 8, I played a lot of that, but like it's Mario Kart, isn't it? It's not really changing the wheel. Tomb Raider, again, it was okay. Walking Dead Series 1, um, I did think about putting on, maybe in case of Life is Strange, but um, then when I was comparing the two and I was kind of doing a bit more research into them both, I was thinking, you know, Life is Strange again had a bit more of an effect on me, weirdly, than um, Walking Dead. Arkham City, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't think Arkham City was as good as Arkham Asylum. So, um, yeah, sorry. And again, it was okay. It was just more of the same, but just in the city now. He flies a bit, doesn't he? Breath of the Wild... Great open world game, definitely. Um, not as good as the other stuff. And also, I don't think it was as good as what everyone said it was. And I didn't have, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. But I didn't have this like world-changing experience with it like other people did. Spec Ops The Line, I liked mainly for the story. Um, but again, it didn't really, you know, hang around in my head for much longer than that. That it deserves to be a top 10. Metal Gear Solid Five. Maybe, but same kind of point. It's like, it was really good at the time. I did it to death. Um, I've got the whole game. I streamed the whole game. So that's on the YouTube channel sitting there somewhere. Not, just not for me as one of the best ones of the decade. It's like, I got a lot more out of other games, I think. Um, if it's the first Metal Gear Solid, maybe. But with this one, I liked it. It's open plan, open planness, yeah, open worldness. Um, I liked some of the character story beats but not really it wasn't that big a deal um it was just a good solid game literally see what i did there so hotline miami yeah that was cool wasn't it but again it was like like taking an you know injection of adrenaline and then being like eh, afterwards and you just completely forget that you've done it um horizon zero dawn was really good that was up there actually for a while and i might i could be easily argued into putting that back on the list um but again, it didn't quite give me the same experience. The one I'd probably maybe swap it out for was, um, swap it in for, is Shadow of Mordor, maybe. Um, but then I liked the Lord of the Rings world a bit better and I liked the swordplay stuff um, better, I have to be honest. Uh, Far Cry 3 was interesting. Um, I loved playing it when it came out and I loved the fact that it felt like I was literally travelling to an exotic island but no, it was, you know, I got so bored of that thing so quickly. And um, yeah, it just felt like I there were better games out there and stuff. Sorry. Persona 4, 4 Golden. 
wasn't the best RPG I played that year. I really loved it. Probably best game on the Vita. Um, and I sunk so many hours into it on my commute and all this stuff. But again, I, th- I think what really let that game down was the ending because I must have got like some bad ending because it was just like he goes off to school or something and that's it, it just ends. And I remember thinking, after all that, that's what I get. So I was a bit annoyed about it. Um, but yeah, again, I'm happy to hear what other people think and I'm really interested in if people think I'm right or wrong or there are other games out there. Maybe there's stuff I haven't played that should be up there. But yeah, just because it's there and it's not there, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that I think it's... It might be that I've not played it. Think about that, eh? But generally speaking, for me, what I played... That was my top 10. So I hope you enjoyed it. So remember, you can email us at newwinterpodcast.gmail.com, Twitter at a new winter, Instagram at new winter, um, patreon.com slash new winter as well. And yeah, thanks very much for listening. And I hope you have a great 2020. Culture. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.